Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, film fans. This is Beer, Bourbon, and a Movie. I'm Tawana. And I'm Vaughn. And we're two filmmaking cinephiles dedicated to the art of film, the taste of a good beverage, and everything in between. We're glad you're back, people. So grab a seat, film fans, beer drinkers, and bourbon lovers alike. This is episode 71. 71. We're doing it. Four years in. Yeah. <laughs> This episode, we're going to be reviewing Malignant and Candyman. So, Tawana, what are we going to drink today? Um, well, you know, I am an all-time fan. Of a heifer? Of a heifer. <laughs> I mean, come on. No, I love a good heifer. I don't care how she comes, where she comes from, when she arrives. You digging her up. I hear you. I love her on my tongue. Whoops. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. It's been a long cold pandemic. Yes, Applications will be received on every social media app. Right. You see my face, I just want to see yours. It's all good. <laughs> And you need to have a mask on and you need to be vaccinated. Yeah, I'm sorry. Vaccination is a must. Mm-hmm. If that's your right, you can find another black girl. We'll be checking your apps <laughs> at the door. We'll check your apps at the door, boo. Mm-hmm. Um, questions will be posed. Yes. Hefeweizen. But as for Hefeweizen, mm-hmm. I'm drinking. When I've become like a huge fan of like the Snyder Vice Company. Right. I think you've had a few of those. <clears throat> what number are well, we on now? We're on four, tap four. I really love Snyder Vice. Um, So I found, in one of my journeys to Whole Foods, I found tap seven, which I had been drinking like a bunch of. Okay. And then I decided to lose weight, so I I chilled for a little bit. Nice. But, you know, I found some some nice ones um, in a not-so-recent trip. Okay. To distillery. Nice. I guess. Whatever. Um, but I found this guy and I never knew about tap four. So what makes um, four special? So each tap is different, you know, each tap has a different thing. This one in particular. So on my particular, um, label, it doesn't read Weissen Edelweiss. It reads, um, I'm sorry. On my particular label, it actually reads Weissen Edelweiss. German, Hefeweizen, it's organic, tap number four. When I looked this up, it says Festweiss. And the reason why it says Festweiss is because what makes this one in particular different is because they ideally made it for celebrations. Okay. It's called Mein, I might be mispronouncing that because it's German, Mein Festweiss. It's um, a lucid golden wheat beer uh, that's been renewed from its traditional Oktoberfest beer recipe. Uh, it's fresh. It's got like like really like fresh citrusy notes. It's really refreshing. Um, derived from this precious Cascade hop, okay. and then the fruity uh, Snyder Vice. Um, it's definitely a real treat. It's, it's unrivaled in its freshness and drinkability. I think I can say that because I've drinking a lot of Hefeweizens. Yes, you have. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's a great companion for like Mediterranean dishes, light dishes. I think it goes really good with spicy foods. So if you're going to eat something like a buffalo wing, if you're at a sports bar or, um, Mexican would be nice. I think this would actually go good with Thai because Thai's got those sesame flavors. Mm -hmm. Um, like that, that, that deep. Yeah. But they're also very light. Like Thai is a light food unless you're heavily into the noodles, but but it's so it's good but anyway um so anyway yes what makes it different is that it's essentially a remake of the oktoberfest beer and uh if you don't already know oktoberfest is a huge celebration in germany um big beer festival would love to go one day when we're out of the panini um (laughs) and and that day ever comes get your fucking vaccination folks honey we can move on with our lives mine Thank Judge you. me all day. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you the ghetto lip smack for there that. There you go. Thank you. 
get it done folks get it done so we could go to open air festivals and indoor events don't you miss music i do don't you miss a crowd the wave of energy yes don't you miss being able to take someone out on a nice little date and not mm-hmm. to worry about oh did i forget my mask right do i got my passport situation in order what's the outdoor situation si- right. situation like <laughs> let's do that right but anyway let's i digress i'm not gonna preach live your life just wear your mask so that's all i'll say so you like uh, this drink so i really like this drink mm-hmm. is it different from tap number seven you know quite honestly i haven't had tap seven in a while but i feel like tap seven is not as light okay and Oktoberfest is definitely different from... And what beer would you compare it to? Mm-hmm. That regular folks know that don't yeah. drink a bunch of premium beer. You beers. know, I feel like regular folks drink Hefeweizens and they don't know it. Um, that regular folks don't know. You know, I mean, it's a little darker because it's fruity. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so when you drink a beer, what they're saying in terms of fruity is the back notes, what, you, what hits the back of your throat. Um, and of course, Hefeweizens are made with banana and clove, and so they've got a lot of fruity tastes in it. If you want to make comparisons to beers that people might know, so Sam Adams has like an Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. Lots of different brands have Oktoberfests. Right. Um, I actually like Sam Adams. It's really just a seasonal beer. Mm-hmm. Sam Adams Oktoberfest is nice. I don't like their cherry wheat because the cherry stuck gets stuck in my tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, and but. Builds this horrible aftertaste. But their Oktoberfest is nice. But these guys are different because they are German. And much like much like uh, traditional uh, companies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. In, in Germany, you have to have a stamp. So let's, let's compare this to tequila. Tequila isn't tequila unless it's made in Jalisco. Right. Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Same thing with Hefeweizens. If this is not made... In Germany, with their stamp, it's not a Hefeweizen. Okay. Um, It's just a beer. And we have, like, UFO makes a great American Hefeweizen. But it's an American Hefeweizen. Mm -hmm. It's got a little more hit in the back of the throat. You know, when you you drink something, you're like... Yeah. It's in the back of your jaw. It's because of the citrus hits you. Theirs is not as fruity or as creamy as, like, clove and banana. But it... What happens essentially is people make a variety of recipes based on these original long haul recipes, like right. like civilization type, beginning right, right. of civilization type recipes. You right. know, monks were making these, mm-hmm. um, and so I think if you, I think this is worth finding. They have it at Whole Foods. Right. I got this at a local what beer distributor. I said distillery earlier. I meant distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find it there. If you want to try something, I think Whole Foods is one of the better options. Trader Joe's actually has some pretty good options, too. Okay. If you want to find something that's close and near, your local bodega is not going to have this yeah. unless you're living in a gentrified neighborhood. No. And they want to they want to hit up the whites. That's it the only reason why you're going to get a, have a vice in that neighborhood. No. And if you find it in your local store, just know you live in a good neighborhood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's what I'm drinking. And I'm excited because... I'm on Weight Watchers, and I haven't had to drink in a while. And oh, yeah. I understand the this, suffering this there. Just, this simple sipping is amazing. Yeah. So well, I'm one. trying something a little different, too. I'm doing uh, James E. Pepper 1776 bourbon. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's good. I'm enjoying right. it. One, I haven't had a, a real drink in a long time because of keto. But right. um, <laughs> this is a... This is a great drink. It's it's a. Uh, what's interesting about it? All right, let's start with the first fact is that, you know, they're they're out of Indiana, and you know I'm mm. a I'm a Kentucky bourbon person. Yes. So, but I appreciate this bourbon because I'm getting I'm getting all the the needs I get from bourbon. So it's fifty seven fifty seven percent corn, thirty nine percent rye, four percent malted barley. Mm-hmm. So it has a deeper. It has a deeper flavor to it. It's it's kind of, and it's charred in the you know the the new charred oak barrels, which makes it bourbon. Right. And uh, it's three years old. It's a hundred proof, so you you're gonna feel it, and that's why we're feeling it now. Yeah. Um, uh, I love the notes on it. It's uh, the color is amber. It's kinda so similar pretty. To your, to yeah, kind of similar to my beer. Very much similar to that. The notes, 
you know, you get a little bit of cocoa, you get some roasted corn, a little bit of cinnamon, you know, you get all those kind of things, vanilla, oak, you get that thing. On the palate, I feel the nuttiness that they talk about, the caramel. I definitely feel the caramel. Vanilla. The vanilla. There's a cinnamon in there for sure. I'm sure. And, um, and you know, other kind of fruits, it, they even, it, I went on their websites and they were even calling it, there's a menthol kind of flavor to it, but I'm like, I'm really? not getting that. I'm not really getting that. I'm not getting Newport. But, you know, I'm not really <laughs> thinking about a Newport. So, you know, but I do like the vanilla. I do like the spice and the oaky feel to it. Um, it's a good balance. It's, it's got a medium body to it. It would be great in like a, a whiskey sour, yes. an old fashioned. Yes. Today, I am having it in a drink called the Godfather. Amazing. The Godfather is literally amaretto, a half an ounce of amaretto, and mm-hmm. two ounces of bourbon. And it is fantastic this guy yeah tawana's loving it i'm I'm enjoying it too um i upped the the bourbon just a little bit but i enjoy this drink a lot this drink came about in the 70s they're not really sure where it started from but they really think because of the name godfather that it had something to do with the fact that marlon brando drank these things as part of the movie right he just kind of drank them and he was drinking him personally yes he was drinking them Apparently on the set. Apparently, oh, so, I totally believe that. And and uh, it was very popular was in the seventies. A lot of a lot of, of a lot of dudes would be drinking this drink in bars and stuff. And in, in, back in the seventies, so I was like, okay, oh, really? this is a great homage to yes, you know, the great and dear Melvin Van Peoples, who we're going to talk about later in the show. But I, I just I thought that this would be a great little you know send off for him. But um, I, it's really I could a see good him drink. totally having that oh, with a cigar. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And it would definitely because of the 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 sweetness and amaretto, the the the. We're gonna have to do that. We're gonna oh. have to get some good cigars from like the Dominican spot. Yes, we'll we'll do that. And then and we'll bring my my cigar expert in. And, oh yes. And we'll we'll do a night. But I think that um this is this would be a great compliment to any any cigar. Yes. And I, it's just a, a really nice drink. So if you really want to try something a little bit different and it's it's not so mixed up in all the usual cocktails, I think this is really cool. Like I said, it's very, very simple. Half an ounce of amaretto, two ounces of, of bourbon. It's a winner in my book. I'm going to add it to my drinking list when I get to drink again beyond keto. So uh, you're just going to have to take a night. Every now and then, I'll just have a little one. But this is this is a good way to have this drink, and I think we're gonna we're gonna enjoy this episode because I'm really feeling good with this hundred proof. Uh, oh, it's hundred right proof. It's that's why my proof. belly is warm. Yes, that's why you feel so good inside. Because <laughs> there's nothing like a good hundred proof bottle. I, of I coined a little phrase. It, it felt like adult candy to yes, me when I tried yes, it. Yes. It's very yummy. And uh, shout out to our producer today, uh, Mr. Chauncey Plummer. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for handling our business today. Stepping in for us. Making us sound good. We thank you, Absolutely. Appreciate that so much. Well, let's talk a little bit about industry news. And so our only industry news is is Melvin, right? Yeah, let's talk about Melvin. You know, Melvin was uh, instrumental for every black film student who wanted to be a rebel. Yeah. Who... um, who wanted to not make the same old bullshit that was coming out. And Melvin felt the same way, I think, you know, as an American independent director um, who definitely passed on his, his, his legacy to his son, Mario. Yes, for sure. Um, he was just a Renaissance man, right? Whose work spanned books, theater, music. He did everything. And let's not forget his third feature film. Did not know it was his third feature film. Wow. Sweet, sweet backs, badass song. I yes, gotta give me a Lord. badass hoodie. Yes, there's. Lord. I keep forgetting about that. I'm gonna give me a badass hoodie. Um, Which know, was released in 1971, right? And he was instrumental in this, like being the hero. This whole like, so his hero in the movie Sweetback starting this in like a sex show at a brothel, right? And a movie sizzled <laughs> with like. Explosive violence and sex, and he—they he, coined him for being—he um, was righteous, antagonistic, uh, righteously antagonistic of um, the white power structure, mm-hmm. um, and dedicated his film to all the black brothers and sisters who had enough of the man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, what he said at the end of the film. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> but because of him and his unrelenting uh, way of, of expressing himself and being that filmmaker, we have the likes of Spike Lee. Yep, she's um, got to have it. We have the likes of... Um, Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. We have um, Boys in the Hood. Yep. Drawing my... Drawing a blank on his name right now. Rest in peace. John to him Singleton. As well. John Singleton. Yes, rest in peace to John as well, uh, and so many more. I mean, don't let's not stop the women because you got Daughters of the Dusk with Julie yes, Dash. Julie Dash. Um, hey, we're doing a film with Candyman today. It was directed by Nia. Yes. Uh, I think it's Nia Davis. Uh, Nia DaCosta. Nia my apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these people have set. Set trailblazed the way for us to break through doors. I mean, um, uh, was it Killer Sheep? Charles Burnett. Mm, Um, Yeah, he went to school with Julie. Mm -hmm. So it's like Arthur Dash, Haley Garima. Oh, Haley was before, I believe Haley was before Van Peoples. But, you know, it's a lineage that people are trying to set. You know, I think it was, it, it was independent film black filmmakers like him yes who who set a tone and they established that we were our stories didn't have to be told by black directors yes. you know we we were able to tell our own stories he he and you know they call it black exploitation but in reality it was just yeah. what we were living you know we were living these these yeah. these lives inner city lives and Lots of things were happening to us at, at, during that time, especially during the late 60s, early right. 70s. Well, they were challenging black images. Right. And so... False black images. He was showing some things that you didn't normally get to see on screen because we were not telling our own story. Yeah. So because of that, and then what happened after him was then white directors started telling our story and then it turned into something else. But Turned into Sprite. Right, you know, <laughs> then it was then it's like okay, here we go. But once again, he took the he took the reins and right. and he was just telling a story that addressed everything about our, our about our cultural lives, and it wasn't just mm-hmm. about civil rights or slavery or it wasn't like a that. colonized version either. Right, it was just what he how he wanted to tell a story about black people that he knew and he understood. Mm-hmm. So you know, I appreciate him for opening the door for many many of us and. Um, in just making some things happen. And, and his son is continuing in his legacy. Yeah, he He's is. doing a lot of television work. He did uh, Posse. Yep, and Posse, which was one of my yeah. favorite right. Westerns, black Westerns. Western. So I, I just really think it's it's cool, and I have to just acknowledge him. He lived a great 89 yeah. years, and, you know, we just have to honor him in, 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 in moving forward into hopefully telling other great stories of blackness and, and, and other things like we do with Nia DaCosta because it right. it's important that we talk about her. Well, it's important because black women don't normally make right. horror movies. Exactly, and just the um, fact that she's doing that. And if they do, they're not shown mm-hmm. or popular. Uh, and it's really interesting to see her visual take, mm-hmm. but also her, her written take because she co-wrote right. Right. It with Jordan Peele. So we, we once again, we just have to say rest in peace to... Uh, yeah, Melvin man. Van Peebles and uh, thank you for every boob I saw, exactly. every actual death that looked real. Right. Thank you for every. Thank you for holding that cigar like that. Yes. Thank you for being a badass. And I'll say this as you would say it: a badass motherfucker who yes. didn't care about what the man thought. Yes. <laughs> you gave me what my grandfather I thought only could. Yes. So I really appreciate what you've done. Thank and, you. And how we made our way forward as filmmakers. Yes, thank you. Who that. are proud of our ancestry and proud mm-hmm. of our culture and just want to see us as us on screen. That's right. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. And give him hell. <laughs> Hope you sure got a light will. for every cigar you ever smoke. I'm sure he will. <laughs> Rest in peace, Melvin. So let's let's dig into Candyman a little bit. Yes. <laughs> First of all, I am a huge horror fan. Uh, big, yes, big are. horror fan. Yes, you are. You've been waiting on this time of year already. Uh, hoodie season in New oh, York. <laughs> October. Beer. What? What? I mean, is there a better combination? These are these are not sad times. No, these are great times. Okay, I know. The pandemic, still I know the times. Uggs and the pumpkin spices get you down, but don't let them. <laughs> You can 
fight fire with fire and push wait, forward. Wait, T buddy, you know we've been seeing pumpkin spice <laughs> since since it's Labor everything. Day. It's since Labor Day. They've been pumpkin spice. I'm like, what is happening? It's not even in the summer yet. But I feel like the people who love pumpkin spice, did you ever have flavor in your food? No. Did you never have any flavor? Was there never no adobo? Was no. there never no, no none of that? I mean, you can't just see salt everything. There, there's you salt gotta, and pepper. you know, you gotta That's have the salt and pepper. You crowd. gotta have some paprika. My favorite smoked paprika. Oh my god, it's her favorite. You 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 gotta just. Can we get some ginger? Okay. Can we, I mean, okay. pumpkin spice ain't all of it. Yes, yes. But I'm gonna give you this, most. All right. You live your life. All right. Okay. But it goes hand in hand. Horror Candyman. Okay, I got you. Created by from an original story by Clive Barker. Mm -hmm. Um, Candyman has been a bit of a like Melvin of a punch in the face type of situation. Mm -hmm. Usually in horror movies, we get blacks that die first, right? And (laughs) when quite honestly, we're the ones that survive because no one's walking into dark houses and doing stupid shit and not turning on lights and not running for weapons like we're not doing that yeah white people are doing that all white time. people are doing that in the movies all the time mm-hmm. and i know you think this is a little bigot bigotry no it's not it's true it's just facts it's facts and so Candyman for me as a fan was like by far one of my favorite characters because Candyman was like an anti-hero, right? Yes. Be my victim. Right. The whole thing, you know. And he was black. We never he saw was black. A, a killer that was black. No. We never saw that before. We know we never saw a killer that was killing white people and not right. getting killed for it. Even though it, <laughs> even though in crazy in crazy ass films like Birth of a Nation, we were always demonized. Right, we always but demonized. We were never the killers. So I right. I'm enjoying the fact yeah. I always enjoyed the fact that um Todd did his thing as, right. the, as the killer right. in the Tony original. Todd, yeah. Tony Todd in the and he's in film. this one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because you got to pay homage to, to Tony, right? And I think like we haven't seen like we were discussing earlier how like horror movies have like these moments of change, right? right? Um, and so like uh, God, kill me. The director who made Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, He's a British, uh, British filmmaker. Um, because of him, Danny Boyle. Because of Danny Boyle, zombies now run. Yeah. Um, and so he had an intricate part. Uh, we'll talk about James Wan in a minute for Malignant. He had an intricate part. Um, and so on and so forth. Uh, Hitchcock and, and, and um, Argento and on and on and on. But I think what what's interesting about this is because the character is black, um, we get to delve a little more into the lineage of it. Right. And so you mix Nia DaCosta, um, Jordan Peele, and Jordan Peele, and they have the third, which is his name is Win Rosenfeld. Okay. You mix them all together, um, and we get this story tale, right. which is they're coining it as a sequel to the horror film Candyman. That returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. Got it. But if you've seen Candyman before, the original, and you were a fan, this may feel like a sequel for you. But if you are brand new to this, this might be your first time visiting. And it might be a remake right. of sorts. In this, in this universe, for sure. In this universe, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, starring Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Yes. Yaya is not new to film. No, he's not. <laughs> he's been around for a little bit, and he's been doing a number of things. I mean, if I want to just start with like the newest thing he's doing, he's going to be Morpheus in Matrix Four. Right, and he's also in. He's Black Manta. He's in, Black Manta uh, in Aquaman, Aquaman series. He has been in so many films. Um, he's been in the Trial of Chicago. Of the Chicago Six, right. all day, all night. He mm-hmm. was um, in Watchmen as Kyle Abar. Yes. He was Regina's husband. Yeah, he was a big star in that He's a big star in that. He's, He's also been in a couple of Black Mirror I was going to say Black Mirror. He was in The Handmaid's Tale. He was in, he's been in a few films. Right. He was sure. in The Get Down. How could we forget yes. that of yes. all things? Because like, we love The Get Down that first season. Who doesn't remember The mm-hmm. Get Down that first season? But yes, and then um, also starring Tiana Paris. 
I love her. Love her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in Dear White People, Chirac. Yep. If Bill Street can talk, if yes. you have not seen that, right. you're missing out on a lot of things. And she's also in uh, in that new Marvel series. Yeah, on, she's uh, in the Marvels. Right. Whatever that new thing is. Yeah, uh, Monica. WandaVision. Rambo. She's in WandaVision. Yep, so uh, definitely check her out because she's the breakout. Yeah, she's she was also in WandaVision. Star. You're right. Yeah, she's the breakout star in that. Point so. Break. She was in a lot of films as well. Mm-hmm. But she's, I, I don't want to say, I don't like to say up and coming when people have got no, so many here. names. She's, she's here. here. But she's she's a young good star, mm-hmm. you know, young big star, um, uh, and on and on. Vanessa Williams was in it. Uh, uh, Coleman Domingo, who I loved in this one. I love Coleman Domingo. Yeah, he's so so interesting to me. He's so interesting, mm-hmm. but he's also like he's so fucking cool. Yeah, he is. To watch him on screen, yeah, he his is. voice yeah. is. I want to play. Like versions of him saying things at night, so I can fall asleep. He's like he's like a bot- if he if if he was a bottle of liquor, he would be amaretto. Yeah, <laughs> nice, yeah. right? Because nice. he is he's so cool. So yeah. anyway, we have all these great people. Of course, Tony Todd in this film, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what I really enjoyed about Candyman. It was just a really interesting take on this classical horror film. Right. You know, I thought, um, if we want to talk about Nia for a second, there aren't a lot of black women making horror. No. And so I think by making this and helping to write it, I think she's putting a stake in the ground as to who she is. Right. I think a lot of black people don't make horror, and when they make it, they kind of make us make it kitschy, right? It's never like real horror. Until Jordan came along, listen, just forgive him for us, but the fucking... Come on, the sunken place. Come on, get out. Right. Y'all know y'all still watching Get Out. Right. And, and People you know, can have a mask. Exactly. And I think he, <laughs> he has something to say. To, you know, to your point. A lot to say. To your point, I, to me, this, this was very much, this was more than horror to me. This was very much a Black Mirror episode because it, it dealt with so many it does. current issues. It's definitely of, got of, a social take. Of blackness in America. And that was the one thing that Jordan Peele said he wanted to do in his take on horror movies because he wanted to right. bring about all this these things about social change. Right, he's got like three left. social justice in his movies. In so his he contract. wanted to talk about racism and, ger- and gentrification and all these things. And he delves yeah. into all of this in this movie along with uh, Nina. But one, go ahead, Tawan. I want you to finish your thought about the movie and then I'm going to tell you what I feel about it. Okay. Um, I thought her, speaking from a cinematography perspective, Mm-hmm. I thought her, she had so many really good elements. So, but just a few that I thought were interesting. I thought her use of space and reflection was amazing. Mm-hmm. Her use of sound and music, of course, the classic theme made for the great thrills that it is, um, was used in this. But I thought it just, her use of sound and music helped to elevate the suspense, helped to set the tone and the mood of the film, and to keep you aligned with the characters. I thought that whole bit about the puppetry how they retell the story through puppetry amazing if you have seen this film rewatch it chanty and watch the ending because the tra the 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 credits are amazing it's all puppetry and it really extends the story a bit Mm -hmm. um but if you haven't seen it please watch and stay for the for the final credits they're amazing you won't regret it i thought the writing had a great use of social ills um they use it as a as to identify the truths of 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 urban legends and and how essentially they they're appropriated and made accessible to the masses you know i i I really like the exhibition and explanation of the gentrification and the socialization of it i really liked um the way all that was spun into a bit of a horror piece this really made for a really interesting remake to a sequel of sorts. Okay. And quite honestly, I love the actor's work, especially the comic relief of, um, oh, don't let me mess up his name. Oh, 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 what was the brother's name? Yeah, he was the brother of, um, oh, girl. He was the brother of Tiana. And he was in that show we were watching. Who, by the way, her name was Brianna in the film. Of if you catch Brianna. that. Yes. Brianna Taylor. If you catch that, please. Sister. Not Coleman Diaz. Uh, 
Continue, Bung. I'll yeah, find so, it. Um, I think, you know, the, the one issue that I have with this movie, and I have it with a lot of movies. Um, I'm sorry, Nathan Stewart, Jared. Nathan Stewart, yes, okay. Great, great actor. He's funny. Great actor. He's British. Got, yeah, he's British. Of course he's British. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's, there's something about the one issue that I had with this character and this retelling of the story. Because Candyman basically was a black man with a disability. Okay? So, oh, and he had, he basically had two disabilities. He had something mental going on and he had a physical disability. And he was not able to communicate. And once again, he was persecuted by the cops. And nine times out of ten in, in America, whenever there's a shooting of someone with a disability, it's usually handled by the cops because they don't know how to handle situations where someone is having an episode, someone needs to take their medication, someone is, is just ill, and it's handled with violence. And once again, Always. this 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 spotlighted a problem with ableism and racism coming together. And what ableism is about is about the fact that people who are who don't have a disability seem to feel like they're superior to the ones of us that do. So, and I'm talking a lot about this lately, and it just it really struck me in the movie, and it it bothered me to the point where I've been talking about it so much recently. But this person this this character in the movie Candyman was just an amputee and they used his prosthetic as a weapon in the movie and it once again well because he originally wasn't and then they made him an amputee right but the the, the newest version of Candyman in this movie was just an amputee and he had a prosthetic from no. back cuz remember his prosthetic was just the the arm, the hand that was like it looked like a hook. So if you think back to the character that walked out of that wall, who offered that little boy. Oh, candy. that was okay. So let's not go too deep because we'll reveal too much. I'm not gonna tell anymore. But that what I, what I that one particular candy, particular character, did have a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. He was not technically Candyman. But we will allude to that. Right. And so the whole point was, gotcha. once again, in the tropes of filmmaking yes, and people in America and other places around the world understanding disability, we then become the, the, the monster. Okay. So what's interesting to me is that, and once again, it goes back to your take on folklore and storytelling about how stories are passed down right yes so in in this whole thing is about how stories are passed down yes and so somebody who has a disability or is disfigured in some way all of a sudden becomes a monster yes so it's, it's very interesting to me that hollywood continues these kinds of things when you can't see us as regular people living regular lives and having our own issues or whatever our own concerns living full-fledged love lives drama the whole thing that we normally do but now all of a sudden we're just tropes in movies that make us villains or monsters or something to be feared something to be othered and all of these other things this is the the one point that stood out to me in this whole movie I love what Nina did and how she told this story and how it evolved to right. tell the story of many black people. But I think that... Who are a victim. Right. Who have been victimized, victimized by yes. the system. Because it's really about being victimized. Yes, it, and I think what, what, what stuck out to me, and I know people who, ha, who, who have prosthetics and who use them every day to make their lives better. You know, so, so all of a sudden it becomes used as a tool of weaponry. It just, it just spoke to me in that way. But I, I think that what I appreciated about the movie was the fact that it told the story of so many people, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that and, it wasn't and, just one guy and, and just, and, and, and what the system does to you and, and how from the beginning, right. And how you're just supposed to behave from Candyman on. And even, 
even in 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 Yaya being this artist and him trying to break into the artist community and and do his thing. Right. You know, you're you're always trying to find your way. You're always trying to be seen and you're trying to be recognized for your art and your creativity. But I think he was on that journey. And it's interesting that he was the artist in this piece and he was manifesting his art through this darkness. And it's it's very interesting to me how they did that because you don't you really don't. One, we never get to be seen as artists because there's so many black artists that never get the mm-hmm. credit that they're truly due. And and once again, he was at that crossroads of trying to, to show himself and to try to do something that would make him stand out. And he opened the door to this to this to this past history, this past trauma, this past legacy. And he was carrying that as most of us do mm-hmm. as black people. We have to carry the trauma of our ancestors with us because we're constantly being bombarded with it, mm-hmm. you know, through racism and bigotry that happens in the United States of America. You know, I think that it, it was, it, it spoke to that too. So I, I have to, I have to preface all of my angst about this, how disabled, disabled people are represented with the fact that it all kind of comes together. Right. Well, you know? she went, but what they did in the film is they represented him as like, the neighborhood candy man. Mm-hmm. He would give out candy to the children. Um, but the cops saw him as something else. Mm-hmm. And they victimized and, and and marked him as some evil killer with a hook. Um, but it wasn't a hook. It was a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think that Nia has a, has a big future ahead of her. Mm-hmm. Um, considering she, I got to know Nia through a little film I saw in Angelica called Little Woods, um, starring Lily James and Tessa Thompson, uh, which is a story about these, um, a dark story about these two sisters in North Dakota. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. And I liked a lot about what she had to say about films afterward. And it isn't until just now when I read that she is born in Brooklyn. Raised in Harlem. Of course she is. <laughs> and that um, she is the youngest filmmaker to ever make a Marvel film. Um, she is directing the Marvels, uh, which is a sequel to Captain Marvel. After okay. initially approaching them with a Fantastic Four slash X-Men crossover movie, which is also scheduled to be released on November 11, 2020. But more of that. But more okay, of that. great. <laughs> Listen, Ryan Coogler made Black Panther, so... Uh, is, made- anything is possible, because we can do anything. We're black people. We can do any fucking thing. Yes. That's, that's quite obvious. We just don't ever get the chance. We just don't get the but chance. But I get it. I get it, too. Make your money, girl. Make your money. But I, I mean, good for her, and I think that they will. But the thing about what I'm saying about Nia is that she's turning work on its head. You know, it's not just the story of a horror movie, it turns out to be so much more than that. Yes. And what I respect about it is this is a black woman. Black women don't make horror movies. They're not big. At least they don't allow us to make horror movies. They only allow women to make horror movies, period. Right. We're not big. Right. Big sellers of horror movies in in terms of- Or action movies in general. Or action. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. think we can't do action. Right. And the thing is, it's like- We've done some of the best action. Catherine Bigelow. Yes, I was just thinking about Catherine um, from the New School. Yeah. And all her work. Catherine Bigelow. I mean, so many other movies that I can't even think of at this moment. Um, there was another one that uh, took place in Britain about these, uh, you know, they have these groups of fans in terms of the soccer. And there was a whole, there was a whole movie about that anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll figure out the name of the title of the film later. But... Women definitely can make violence. Women definitely can do horror. We're not all romance and, and sweet nothings. You know? Right. <laughs> this life outside sweet of nothings. that for us. Um, who wants to sit around in a Cinderella film? Uh, right. But, but I thought what they did was really interesting, and I liked how they expanded. I really liked um, the cinematography. I liked the darkness of it. I liked... I like their use of shadow. I like their use of reflection. Like I said, really, really interesting how they played with that. Um, the director, I'm sorry, not the director, the uh, the cinematographer, 
I'm sorry, I lost my place. He had, of course, a great deal to do with this as well. Um, I like the, the reflection is really interesting because I think the reflection plays on a duality of self. They played on a duality of self. Um, the character Anthony McCoy really looked in his reflection a lot and played around with who he was and what he was seeing back. And I think something could be said for that. Yes. In terms of what we, how we exist in the world. And the question is, do we really look at ourselves in the mirror or are we just looking at the surface? Also, are people looking at us? There. I don't right. think people see us. Uh, the direct, I mean, director of cinematography, his name is John Gulesarion. Got it. He's made a number of those films. Love, Simon. Oh, right. One of my favorites. Candyman mm-hmm. equals About Time. Um, I thought he had a great deal to do with the reflection. I thought it was so amazing in the way they would would do a lot of the murder scenes without an actual murderer in place. Right, because you're always, and, and we if you really think about it, we were always at a distance during the murder scenes. Most the, of them, yes. The the most of the violence happened, and we were somewhat there and somewhat not. So we, we mm-hmm. kind of saw peripheral violence because she didn't she didn't hone on in the gore because she could have lived in the gore, which is most she really could have lived did, in the gore, but she did not, and she took us to a place where we were observing it, but not in the room. We saw right. fragments of it. It was kind of interesting to me. And but I but I that was the thing that I, that I liked about it because it could have really went to a darker place, but it didn't. It that wasn't the point of this movie. She had a greater story to tell in in, in telling the story, and it wasn't just about the violence and the gore and the murders of these people because there was so much more happening here. What I thought was what I what I loved about her storytelling was how she used space. And, yeah, that's what and, I was saying. Earlier. And all of these these angles that she shot people in, and there was a lot of negative space, much like um, Invisible Man. Yeah, very, very just it was powerful because it made you a part of it, but you still sat away from it, so you could watch it and look at it in a way like, wow, she, you know, and just everything was open, and you you saw it from a a really clear view, so you could see the persp- the the all the action happening, but you still felt like you were part of it, but you could still sit back and watch it. It was very interesting to me. I, I didn't, it's, it's something about what she, how she tells the story. I'm very curious to see where her work goes from here because she can do so many things. And I'm, 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 yeah, she can. I will watch these damn Marvel movies that she's going to do because I want to <laughs> see her do it because I'm really over Marvel. And, but I, I want to see, um, I've literally outgrown them because they're just, they're just so surface. But I feel like she will actually give me more because yes. she will dig deeper into the characters because nobody really digs deeper into these stupid characters in Marvel, unlike DC. People, well, I think that's changing. And I'm hoping she's going to do that for me. And I'm, I'm waiting on that because that's the one thing I hate about right Marvel well i think movies. that's changing based on the directors they're hiring Thank to God. redo these films or to continue on with the films i mean look at um what was the last wolverine movie that was done differently than all the logan other, logan than yeah. all the other ones it humanized the characters right and i think same thing happened i think in marvel they humanized her a bit and i think it's going to get even better when you see the sequel and so in uh what was that captain america captain marvel captain marvel yeah yeah and so i think as it goes on i think they need to change i think they had to change the way they're doing it in order to um renew it because the fans are growing up they don't fans are growing up and they don't want to see that but i don't want to see the same stuff right exactly so i really like this i'm gonna give it a big old five highly i saw it twice Wow. And I really liked it. Well, it was my first movie in a theater, so thank yeah. you for that, Tawana. You're welcome. Um, it was my to third. To go back into the theater after a year <laughs> and a half. So it was good to see it in a, in a movie theater. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half because I'm still a little troubled about this 
ableism thing, but I'm trying to work with it. But I think you're seeing it from a different point of view. Right. And I also I, think it I wasn't the, the point of filmmaker view. that decided No, I, I that. understand that. It but was, it's, it's, something about the, it's something about the story itself. But I get it. And, but I'm still going to give her her props because she was an amazing director. And I want her to do more work. And, and so I'm going to give it that. What I what I think of it this as is is a great Black Mirror episode, and so because there was so many other themes. There's a lot of things here. happening, and, I, and I'm glad that we're able to be that we're able to express ourselves in these themes, yeah. And and, and uh, as Black people in America, and so I'm definitely I want you to see it. I want people to watch it, yeah, Chauncey. I, I want you to watch it again. And I, <laughs> there's just there's just, just calling you out. There's just so many things that I think that people need to understand about and not be so afraid of horror movies because I know so many people who are just like, oh, I can't, I don't like horror movies. But well, why, don't don't like you, horror. why don't you like horror movies? Well, they don't like horror because of the same way I don't like roller coasters. It takes away your sense of security. Right. And you feel, you feel unbeknownst to, to the security around you. Like you're, you're on a ride that you can't get off. Right. Um, and which is why I, I feel the opposite. I love horror movies because it's a safe roller coaster. Right. Because um, you have control because it can stop. I have control because I can stop it at any mm-hmm. time. Or it allows me to, you know, scare myself from a safe right. purview of two seats in a movie theater. Right. Exactly. Uh, or at home. Yeah. But I think this is not your typical horror movie. No, it's You're not. You're not going to see a bunch of blood and gore. And that's why this I'm giving a, it a four and a half. Right. This has a bit more story to it. Yes, for sure. Definitely check it out and see what you're going to see. But if you want to look for horror, move on to Malignant. Yes. I love Malignant. It gave me everything. Malignant (laughs) was quite interesting. It was fun. Very fun. I haven't had fun this whole year and a half. I haven't had this much fun in a horror movie in a while. This was surprisingly interesting. Mm-hmm. Starring direct well, let's start with the director. Directed by James Wan, written by James Wan. Um Wasn't he producer too? He I felt like he was everywhere. He probably was. Cause he wrote the story. He wrote he wrote the story with a couple other people. He directed it. I'm sure he was producer. He was everywhere. Um, but you know, James Wan has a huge influence in horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wrote the original Saw with his partner. Well, now he um, he wrote Insidious and directed it. Um, he direct, I believe he directed the first song, but he yeah. co-wrote it too. Um, and he also Insidious. directed Aquaman. Yes, he directed mm-hmm. Aquaman. He did. Uh, he did The Conjuring's, mm-hmm. um, and they're still doing them. There's, there's a bunch more stories left to tell there. Um, starring. Annabelle Wallace, if any of you are friend or Peaky fan of Peaky Blinders, Annabelle Wallace was Grace, and you all know who that is. Um, she said it on its ear, and when she disappeared, the world went crazy. Um, she was in The Mummy. She was in X-Men. She, the worst version of The Mummy, by the way, with Tom Cruise. All right, but let's not... But Blemish her shit though. That's fine. She was whatever she was, blonde chick in the in the movie with. No, Tom but Cruise. she was she was she was the doctor. She was yeah, I, I know who she was. She was good in it. She so, was there. Stop hating. Don't hate. Don't she, hate. She was there. You just hate him. though, hating on Tom. <laughs> Tom can live his Scientology life. Oh dear God, yes he can. Keep <laughs> it going. Anyway, she was in a number of films that I think everybody would notice. Um, you wouldn't even know it when when you see her in this one because she was really good in this well, one. Yeah. Also, she's brunette in this one and she yeah. was blonde in everything i've ever seen her in yes exactly she was blonde in wiki blinders she's just blonde in a lot of shit yeah she was good in and this so one. to be in this as a brunette really just took it she's very it, intense took it a level up to intensity yes mm-hmm. so uh malignant uh the synopsis is madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are, in fact, terrifying realities. <laughs> very spooky. Very cool. I love this movie. I've not had a fun in a movie in a long time. Completely. <laughs> Co-written and directed by James Wan. He's masterful in telling this tale. Yeah. Um, directed. I, I Also, 
there is a there is a bit of a split. If you Google this, half the people loved it and half the people yeah. hate it. But I know why they hated it. I know why I know they, the hated part it, when they hated it. But I just ignore that part because yeah. it was a it was a ride. Uh, director and writer, as I mentioned, of The Conjuring, The Insidious, and the Saw anthologies, um, he's always finds a new interesting way to tell a tale of horror. I loved every minute of it. I was, it, I'm sorry, it was very different. Mm-hmm. Um, it was exciting. It was full of adrenaline. Um, I had just a mix of so many emotions. Um, you are re- he, he, he really created something out of the ordinary that was unique of any other film. Mm. Um, we couldn't stop gasping at all the great things that happened in the film. Because <laughs> the cinematography was fantastic. Oh, the cinematography, the set design. Yeah. Because the it was a lot of set work. Oh, it wasn't all. It yeah. wasn't in real spaces. It was created no. spaces. But it They're was obviously. so great. The camera work, yes. the above shots, the above all those shot, shots. Yeah. You know, that just made you feel like, yeah. wow, this room is tightening up. Or, oh, yeah. Or she's in this The melting space, of the, the world right, around the, you. The walls and stuff coming apart. So it was just, yeah. it was just fantastic in that way. But, you know, to want to give I, I think it was great. I think, I think it had a really great opening. I loved its credits. Yes. I mean, it, to me, it was reminiscent of American Horror Story. If yes. you've ever been a fan of theirs, they really blow away their credits. Right. Um, you almost know the entirety of the show you're watching the episode within the credits. And they did the same. I think they played a lot with that. Um, fantastic lighting, sound, music, setting the tone once again and mood perfectly. Suspense times 10. Yes. Really interesting shadow play. Uh, just amazing camera work, as you mentioned. You know, very reminiscent to me of Rope, yeah. Hitchcock's Rope. Yep. And I say that because uh, Hitchcock created an entire set to shoot Rope on so that he would have what we call now Hitchcock cuts, where they would cut where a camera would run into the dark spot of a person's shirt or a wall. And then on the other side, it would be the continuation of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Rope is very famously known for having zero cuts or minimal cuts, really. Uh, and this one felt that way. Of course, they obviously had cuts. But you could see that they were um, paying homage in a sense to having right, those sure. shot overhead shots that were obviously shot on sets. These giant cranes, the dolly work, the steady cam shots, the 360 spins, the dramatic rack and focus like Hitchcock's Rear Window with Jimmy Stewart. Yes, one um, of my favorite films. Who doesn't know that? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, you need to do your homework. Uh, the shadow work, like I said, was amazing. Set design, props, stages, color theory that is pivotal of Dario Argento's Suspiria. I mean, oh my it, God. it was just, for me, as a cinemaphile, right? As a cinephile, as someone who loves film, before I even knew what cinematography really was, this film gives me a cinematic orgasm. And literally, Tawana had an <laughs> orgasm every time there was a red shot. Oh, I was like, oh. Set. I was like, oh my God. The color. I'm going to have to throw some water on her in a minute. But uh, it was it was, it was, was beautifully done. Oh, Just yeah, definitely. Done. I think with its kitschy dialogue and um, its comic relief and self-deprecating humor, some might say it's a bit gimmicky, but I think it played on its tropes a lot. Right. Um... They all seem to be uh, an, a means to an end at some point. Because quite honestly, it was the craft that blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing to me about it was that it was literally a cross in, in films from the 80s. Because mm-hmm. I really think about the film called A Beast Within. Yeah. That stood out to me. I think that was like 1982, 1983 horror film where there was something inside of someone. Right. And and it just spoke to that kind of thing. And it was shot in a way, and it made you feel the same way those kind of things was. And within this film, you could never really tell what time you were in, what period you were in. Yeah, there were little glimpses. There was, it was just so... You were right, 1982. 1982, yeah. I remember that movie because it just freaked me out. I saw it in a movie theater. And it reminded me so much of that and how the look of the film, the color of the film, yeah. the, 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 the way the film was done just reminded me of that and how it, you knew something, something deeper was happening. And I, I just, I, 
I just can't even imagine anybody staying in this stupid house that this woman was in and how they shot her moving through the house, how they just so the whole good. experience and and I, just please see this movie. It is so entertaining to me. I, I never really thought because I was like when I first saw the trailer and I told Tawana this, I was like when I first saw this trailer, I was like, is this going to be part yeah, you, of the... You didn't think it was going to be scary. I didn't think it was going to be scary. I thought, I was like, is this part of the Conjuring universe? Like, I didn't know what universe this was going to sit in. But now I see it's a, a totally different storytelling and not a part of the Conjuring universe. But No, separate of his own. But it was just so much fun. And, and I'm not as much of a horror fan as Tawana is. And I know we needed to move into October and Halloween with yes. with these two films, but I think that it's it's interesting <laughs> that it just brought so much joy to me to watch these white people run through stupid situations. Yeah, it was a lot of it like, was a lot of no. Why are you no. Why are you even in this room? No. <laughs> right. Why are you in this room? No, nope, like, not doing that. I, what? And like, and I realized that. This movie would never have if it was a black cast because they were like, "All right, I'm leaving now." There is no reason. I mean, I have to think some white people would be like, "No, I don't know why." Kind of white people they are, but that ain't me. (laughs) And and, you know, she would. They would literally. The characters would literally walk into dark spaces where they heard some noise or saw something running across the room. Never turn the lights on. Never a light. It's just like not one moment of a light. My like, fridge is opening. I'm done. And this is why I always have a problem with how they love to kill black people off in a movie. It, in the first five minutes. Cause because we break the film up. First of all, we would have never been there. So there would have been none of this thing. And we've already said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go now. I'm going to leave. You guys do your thing and I'm leaving because but that's the thing. So we, as right. we were watching it, we were both feeling the same way. We both had the same comments. Like, why is she in here? Like, what is she doing? Oh, you really need to go down those stairs right now? You, you, are you looking around for that, that strange thing right, you saw run across right. the room? Oh, this thing you saw behind you, you good with it, though? <laughs> and so it's just like there were so many of those how moments. Many, how many times your door going to be open since? Right. This door just opened out of nowhere. You locking it, though? Right. Lights you, come on. Why are you even coming back? Right. Lights coming on and shit. And you like, well, okay, I'm going to just chill out here. But I think that was their point. I think they yeah, were playing it, it on that. Yeah, because it played on all the tropes of horror movies. Because like, they even had the, the partner who was Regina Moss. Right. She she was a comic relief. and the she black was, cop. She was also the black cop that yeah. had the mouth that was like, no. Right, because she was the sassy sister. <laughs> she was the sassy sister that had a lot to say. And I, and they purposely did it. I mean, I think a lot of what they did was really interesting. I think the effects kept you on the edge of your seat, unsure of what was to come next. Wasn't particularly scary in that way. It was scary as in, like, what was the next step that they were going to take? And using like these obvious tropes from classic horror, we couldn't tell if they were partly winking at us or not. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's in in a similar way, um, in a similar vein, I should say, to Scream. How Scream would sort of right. wink at us, right? But also David Cronenberg, his films were also always oh, yeah. containing some sort of mystery about the body oh, yeah. and some mysterious monster or something was happening. And it's that, it's that body modification yeah. thing. And you know, like Hellraiser, it reminded yeah. me of Hellraiser and those kind of films Yeah, that, that spoke to that. And you know, and we were watching it waiting on the reveal because yeah. we knew something was we coming. We knew there was be a third and, act. And, and you said something in the very beginning after we watched the credits. The credits. Yeah. In the cre- and what I loved about the credits and yeah. and truth be told if you really want to understand a movie yes watch the credits, watch the credits. pay attention to what's happening in the credits it's not just happening there for your no. for the opening of the movie entertainment there is right. information being given also like hitchcock because hitchcock told a lot of detail yeah, in the openings the of his movie and so it's just like oh well, this he let is, the audience in a lot right and he was like I'm gonna just I'm gonna give you a little clue yeah. as to what's going on and so they laid the foundation yeah at the very beginning for these movies and, and we were watching like okay and you said as we were watching it because we watched it together was like oh I I, I, feel, I think I know what's going to go on yeah and I saw some things too and I was like but but see you you vocalize yeah I vocalize and I it. watch 
You do. And I watch <laughs> and I think and I listen. And so and yeah, so I'm, I'm just like, oh, one. yeah, I see, I see where this is I going. I saw it immediately. I was right. like, oh, I think I know that. I right. think I know the twist. Right. I see where this is going. But they they twisted it on us. They and still I was like, gave us a bigger twist. Right. And I was like, oh, this is this is good. Because I had fun. And I don't, it definitely I don't, was fun. I don't remember the last time I had fun watching a movie. I mean, and I, and yeah. I think it's pandemic. And I think it's... Pandemic-y, yeah. I think it's, wow, they really did something. Because unfortunately people think horror movies are just there to scare us quite honestly horror movies are some of the most intellectual socially commentating films well not rob of the genre not rob Rob zombie Zombie is trash he just wants us to see his wife's ass i don't care about (laughs) rob zombie but (laughs) everything else if you think about if you think about um um night of the living dead yes and that social commentary on America, and it included a black man as the hero. Yes. Um, when you think about films like that, and you Candyman and and the like, I mean, I'm drawing a blank on the rest. But there are all these films that had a lot to say. The Hammer films had a lot to say. Oh, I love the, the Vagina Dentata myth mm. and the whole theory of that. Um, horror films have a lot more to say than you think they do, but they they hide it behind the guise of horror. And I think this one did the same. I think taking cues from classic films made it what it is, yet it remained its own entity. And, you know, and once again, it's, it speaks back to disability, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the main villain, killer, thriller of this whole thing was, yeah. was somebody who had a disability. Yes. And he took his power. Yeah, in a in, sense. In yes. this in this whole situation. Yeah. And he was wreaking havoc on folks. Right. But the thing is, it's like it didn't it it had to manifest itself in this way. Well, I think that, that was the third act structure mm-hmm. where they yeah. kinda made it it was very serious under right. the third act structure. And then it got a little it got a little crazy, which yeah. made for an overall fun cinematic ride. Right, because it, it went from okay, this is an interesting story about this woman and right. what she's going through and then and these murders that happened, but then all right. of a sudden it went right back to the eighties. And, right. and it, it felt so It felt very eighties It felt in some way. So eighties to me. And and the lighting changed and the, and the whole perfect. it you know, think about how like Terminator and all those movies that happened in the eighties and all the horror movies from the eighties. Yeah. The look changed a little bit. Well it was a lot of neon. Yeah. There was a lot of glare. Right. And they definitely made sure you noticed that. Right. And it, it, but it was it, artfully done. Right. In these very sets. artfully done. And, Production and all those. Production designers are the shit. Absolutely. If you don't recognize them and stuff like this. Absolutely. All them overhead shots. and, and Well, that's all cinematography. And just setting the, the but, tone but and the, the rooms. Look, what filled the room? Individual books. Right. Lights coming through the window. Um, um, individual. Like the whole thing with the murder weapon. That's all props. That's all. That's mm-hmm. all set design. And the sets, the the, 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 the precinct, the precinct, the precinct was so I pretty and amazing because it reminded me of Gotham. Like it also you ever reminded me Gotham? of Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you see that scene when he comes at the very beginning and he says to his wife, "I'm so sorry, I'm late," and she gets him to leave, that whole back end was amazing. So right. it was like it was really cool. But I would be remiss really quickly if I don't mention Michael Burgess, who is the cinematographer on this. Yeah, you have to He's mention. been in a lot of films as part of the camera electrical department, but malignant he was DP. The conjuring, the devil made me do it, which is the oh, last that was one. A good one. That was a good one. Annabelle comes home. By the way, uh this the the, the actress Annabelle in this, Annabelle Wallace was in Annabelle, she was Annabelle's mama. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. The Curse of La Lorena. Uh, I'm sure I said that wrong. But forgive my, you know. Oh, that talk. was her. Yeah. That was her. That was the mother. Yeah, yeah. Well, Alfred Woodward was, like, trying to save them. And yeah. Shit. Of course, you're trying to save Magical folks. Negroes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know how it goes. That's that's mm-hmm. the, We'll talk about that trope later. Yeah, later. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, she was in a lot of stuff, and I really, I really appreciate the cinematographer because those dollies and those pulls and that rack and focus, oh my God, and those insane. zooms and those fucking steady cam shots. But it was were done epic. so artfully. It wasn't done because you don't just zoom into somebody. You absolutely don't just zoom into somebody. 
unaware of what they're doing. That was a purposeful act. You knew exactly what you were doing. But it also gives us the sense of like, it's that, it's that look at Jimmy Stewart's eyes when he, he sees the murder of the woman he's looking at across the courtyard. And I'm really sorry if you didn't see Rear, rear View mirror Window, and I'm giving it away. Um, rear Window, and I'm giving it away. But um, nevertheless, that sort of rack and focus they do where you zoom into the face, yet you pull out at the same time. It's a, it's a marvel, you know. You know, Hitchcock's, um, these are all Hitchcock-based images. The... The image of the staircase in Vertigo as we zoom down into the staircase, yet pull out at the same time. These are all really great options of cinematography. And I think that Michael Burgess just really pays homage to all these directors in a way that in which he completed it, you know. Also, so what do you so what do you think? You giving this uh what five? You I'm giving this, this another five. Like it was fun. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a five. It was a fun ride. And I, okay, so you're gonna get me in there, you're gonna scare you know, I feel the same way about these Michael movies, not Rob Zombies. But the other ones with fucking Jamie Lee Curtis, even a new oh, one. Oh, you mean Halloween. How what did I say? You said Michael, but you mean yeah, Michael, I mean Myers. Yeah, Michael I mean, Myers. Michael Myers. It's um, coming, by the way, folks. It's coming the next and one. I'm sure she's going to make me review it with you. I'm absolutely going to see it. Whether I make you review it, I mean, is to be seen. Because <laughs> I'm really angry about this because I want this to be over. But it's not going to be over. It's and that's never going to be over. I think point. I'm going to be 100 years old and these There's damn movies are so still going to be so much there. fun because it's about just running and escaping. And oh, my God. And ooh, ooh you got me. And ugh. You know, jump scares. Jump scares is where it's at. Don't be a hater. You are a punk. You I you don't be jumping need, like a motherfucker. I don't need all of that. <laughs> I don't need all of that. I, mean, I just need that. But you what like I will a jump say, scare. That's I right. don't like a jump scare because I don't. One, I don't like surprises. So I love if it. you speak to surprises, the to fuck me, we doing here? I don't like those. But mm. you know, that's just me. You'd be like, oh shit. Right. It's just like. <laughs> but no. I love it. But it's I enjoyed this because it was fun to me. But this was fun. This was because also they took like we felt like we were in experience with her as as things happen around her. as she started realizing certain things. You were like, oh, shit. What the? F- oh, right, wow. This exactly. is amazing. So it was really fun for the people who say they don't like it. Don't take it so fucking serious. Lose your fucking belt and relax. It doesn't have to be specific. Like documentaries. We don't have to follow the same routine. (laughs) Freedom. We're in America. This is all we got is artistic freedom. (laughs) So just fucking live with it. Okay. Chill. But I'll give it a five, and the rest of you haters can fuck off. I'm going to give this a five, too, for the fun <laughs> rollercoaster ride that it was. I think it's fun. Yeah, it was fun. I think this show was fun. Thank you. It was definitely fun. It was good to be back here for 71. It was good to be back for 71. And I've been in a theater, so I feel like I've, I've done something. We've been in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. We've been enjoying ourselves. Yeah. I've been in a music theater a few times. Yes. You know, and I think... We're so happy you're sticking with us. Yes, please keep right? tuning in. We're glad you came. We're glad you showed up. If you like this episode, please follow us on all our social media platforms. Um, be sure to like. Uh, be sure to sh- be sure to share. I'm sorry. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, Spotify, yes. and of course. The old daddy of it all, Apple Podcast. Absolutely. Um, if you have something to say to us, make sure you use the hashtag. Hashtag BBM Podcast. That's hashtag BBM Podcast. Don't get crazy though, because I got Twitter fingers too. <laughs> so don't. And let us know if you want. There's something you want us to watch. Yeah, we'll drink some other stuff that you recommend. Yeah, we'll absolutely. watch things. We're interested. It's a pandemic. Be safe with your mask. Don't let the man get you. This is be a bourbon. And a movie. And a motherfucking movie. So one, let's movie have another tonight. Godfather. Let's do it. Let's have another one. Let's go. Because <laughs> I think we're feeling it. Be a bourbon in a movie. Enjoy, folks. Cheers. <laughs>